Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. So, good morning. Let's take a minute. Stretch a minute. Uh, good for your soul and your body. And... Uh, Let's take a minute. Let's pray. Father, we want to come today, Lord, to seek you with our hearts. Lord, not to play games with you, but to be very serious, to take your word uh, for what it should be. And Father, we just pray as we look at 1 Samuel 12, that Lord, you would take these points and that you drive them home, Lord, not just in our, our brains and our minds, but, Lord, deep into our hearts. Uh, Father, we just thank you uh, that you care enough for us to give us a blueprint on how to navigate this life. And we thank you for this chapter, Lord. I just pray you to just underline, highlight to each of us uh, the parts specifically that you're trying to address in our own personal lives today. So thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing that. And we come with an expectant spirit uh, to see you in action. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So let's read through First uh, Samuel 12. Then Samuel said to all Israel, Behold, I have listened to your voice and all that you have said to me, and I have appointed a king over you. And now here's the king walking before you. But I'm old and gray, and behold, my sons are with you. And I have walked before you from my youth, even to this day. Here I am, bear witness against me before the Lord and his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Or from whose hand have I taken a bribe to blind my eyes with it? I'll restore it to you. The people said, you've not defrauded us or oppressed us or taken anything from any man's hand. And he said to them, the Lord is witness against you and is anointed is witness this day that you have found nothing in my hand. And they said, he is witness. And Samuel said to the people, it is the Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. So now. Take your stand. Then I may plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did for you and your fathers. When Jacob went into in Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt and settling them in this place. But they forgot the Lord their God, so he sold them into the hand of Sisera, captain of the army of Hazar and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against them. And they cried out to the Lord and said, We've sinned because we have forsaken the Lord, and we've served the Baals and the Asherah. But now deliver us from the hands of our enemies, and we will serve thee. Then the Lord sent Jeroboam, and Baden, and Jephthah, 
and Samuel, and delivered you from the hands of your enemies all around, so that you lived in security. When you saw that Nahash, the king of the sons of Ammon, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us. Although the Lord your God is your king. Now, therefore, here is the king whom you've chosen, whom you've asked for. And behold, the Lord has set a king over you. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and listen to his voice and not rebel against the command of the Lord, then both you and also the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God. And if you will not listen to the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the command of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. Even now, take your stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not the wheat harvest today? I'll call to the Lord that he may send thunder and rain. Then you will know and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord by asking for yourselves a king. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. Then all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants to the Lord your God, so that we may not die. For we have added to our sins this evil by asking for ourselves a king. And Samuel said to the people, do not fear. You've committed all this evil. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And you must not turn aside. For then you would go after futile things, which cannot profit or deliver, because they are futile. For the Lord will not abandon his people on account of his great name, because the Lord has been pleased to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. But I will instruct you in the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, both you and your king shall be swept away. Amen. Okay, uh, as I'm looking at 1 Samuel 12, uh, I see two, two primary points. Number one, uh, we need to remember and recall all the good things that God has done for us. That's number one. Number two, because of God's tremendous love, goodness, and mercy, we should always seek to listen to him and obey him. I think those are the two points uh, that the Lord is trying to drive home. And by the way, uh, if we put those two points into action, if you do that, if I do that, uh, we're going to make our way prosperous, and we're going to be able to experience God's blessing on our lives. So let, let's uh, unpack those two concepts. So number one, uh, we need to remember the good things God has done for us. So basically, as we start the chapter here, 12, 1 to 5, uh, what what's happening? Samuel saying, "Hey, people! By the way, you know I've been straight with you. Uh, <clears throat> I've led you in the way that you should go, and uh, I've done what God's asked me to do." And then he says, on verse twenty three, uh, he said, "You know, 
I've done that. I've been a faithful person. But he said, there's two other things uh, that I've done for you. Look at what he says, 23. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. So, okay, he's led a life of integrity before them. He's been a, a, a great role model. Number two, he said, I've not ceased to pray. As a, a good spiritual leader, he's been there interceding before God and asking God to move on the people of Israel. But Samuel says, not only I've done that, I've, I've walked the walk. I've had the character to demonstrate God to you. I've been praying for you. But here's the last thing he said. And he said, but I will instruct you in the good and the right way. In other words, I'm not going to leave you just hanging, not knowing what to do. Uh, I will show you, Israel, here's what God wants of you so that you can have a full and abundant life. So let's look at uh, the first part, remembering the good things God has done for us. If you look at uh, verse 6, let me just read a chunk of this again, just to kind of review uh, what he's trying to drive home to Israel. The Samuel said of the people, it's the Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. So now take your stand. Then I may plead to you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did for you and your fathers. So he's starting out and says, hey, by the way, I want you folks, Israel, to remember all the righteous acts, all the good things that God has done for you as a nation. And he kind of repeats what he said here in verse 6 as he goes into 8. When he talks about Moses, he says this, when Jacob went into Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt and settled them in this place. So when I hear Samuel saying is, hey, Israel, remember the greatest event in your history. Remember what God did. Remember, you were at one point slaves in Egypt, and life was miserable, and you were moaning, and you were groaning. And I think Simon would say, guess what? God saw you. He saw what you were going through, and God heard you, and God responded to your prayers and your cries, and he brought you out of Egypt. And boy, he just didn't bring him out of Egypt in, in any inconspicuous way, he literally opened up the Red Sea, which must have been a mind-blowing event if you had been an Israelite, to see literally water dividing and going up in a heap. And Samuel said, remember that he did that. Remember, not only did he deliver you through the Red Sea, but remember he allowed that Red Sea to crash in and destroy your enemies, the Egyptians. Remember God's great love for you. And he could have gone on, but he didn't do it here. But in other parts of the Bible, not only did God deliver them in a mighty way through the Red Sea, all through the wilderness, God was there watching over them, taking care of them. God provided food for them. God provided manna on a daily basis. God brought water to them from the desert. 
Gotti allowed their clothes and their shoes not to wear out for 40 years. Man, that's a good pair of uh, walking clothes to be able to go through. They didn't wear out. God did all that for them. And not only that, but he guided them with a cloud very specifically for 40 years to get them from point A to B to C to D right on until they were about ready to enter into the promised land. So in a sense, uh, God went and bent over backwards to bless them, to care for them, to guide them, to provide for every need. And I hear Samuel saying, do you get it, Israel? Do you remember what God did for your forefathers? Remember, 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 count your blessings, Israel, count your blessings. But not only that, uh, he goes a little bit further uh, and he says uh, that not only did he do that, uh, but when Israel turned on, on God, even though God was so faithful to do all these things and, and they went astray, Israel did. But God raised up judges to try to get Israel back on the straight path. Uh, look at this. Um, you know, it says here in 10 that they cried out, uh, that they had sinned, and oh, God, we messed up. Oh, God, help us. And look what God did, 11. <clears throat> then the Lord sent Jeroboam, Badim, Jephthah, and Samuel, and delivered you from the hands of your enemies all around you, so you have lived securely. So again, what Samuel's saying, do you get it, Israel? You've been in a mess many times. You were in a mess in Egypt, but God delivered you. And God began to defeat your enemies, uh, but you disobeyed. But I raised up a judge to help you, but you disobeyed. And I raised up another judge over and over and over. God is saying, Look at what I've done for you, Israel. Look at what I have done for you. And because of that, I think what he's saying, because of that, you should be exceedingly grateful. And uh, that kind of hooks into where I was in the soap last week, that we need uh, brothers and sisters to, to be students of the book, the Bible. We need to study the Old Testament. We need to study the New Testament. And over and over, you'll see God's character displayed, God's deep care for his people, God's willingness to forgive, God's willingness to deliver over and over and over again. But it's not just in the Bible days. If we see uh, in church history, God has come over and over, in a sense, sent deliverers. He sent deliverers, he sent judges, but in the history of the church, he sent other deliverers, Martin Luther and others, to get the church back on course. God has been faithful from day one right up to the present day is what he's saying to Israel. I've been good to you. I have raised up people. And then I think also, I think what he would be saying to the Israelites, and I think what God's saying to you and I, is not only look at what God said in the Old and the New Testament, not only look at what God's done in church history, what's he done in your life? And last week I was urging you uh, to take a journal uh, and to be able to write down, to write down literally uh, what God has done for you. 
uh, to write down when he's answered prayers, when he's delivered you from tough situations, when he gave you specific directions when you needed them, when he healed your broken body, when he restored your soul. I think we need to write these down. I'll give you an illustration. Uh, I had a really neat experience yesterday. I was going out to lunch with a fellow pastor. Um, some of you may have heard of the name Jim Hughes. Jim is a uh, traveling evangelist. Had breakfast with him. Uh, and I just tell him to Jim, there's a verse that's really been speaking to me recently. It's in the book of Philippians. And it lays out Paul's gut cry. And it's basically, Lord, that I might know you that I might experience the fellowship of your sufferings. In other words, Lord, give me your heart for the world. And then he says, Lord, let me know your resurrection power to minister to people that are hurting. And I was talking that to Jim. And when I, uh, I was saying that to him, he just had this big smile. He says, John, do you know what? Just yesterday, my pastor, uh, he was in the Nazarene church down there in Millville area. He says, that's exactly the passage that my pastor was preaching on, that exact thing you were telling me about. And both to Jim and I, it was like, wow, what a confirmation. What's the odds of me telling him, hey, this is a really important scripture to me now. And by the way, my pastor just preached on it yesterday. That's, folks, that's not an accident. There's 33,000 verses or whatever. It's a large number of verses in the Bible. And what's the odds? of me saying that verse, and Jim said my pastor preached on it yesterday. I took my little journal, and I wrote it right on down there. Uh, look at what God did. So when I'm in a funky mood, I don't know, does anybody get kind of wacky sometimes? Uh, we do. Sometimes life gets tough. Our emotions go down the tubes. Uh, problems are banging at the door, and the devil's shouting on our, our, our ears. God's not loving. God's not faithful. Look at all the junkies lying in your voice and the devil dumps the trash on you. Uh, it's that point you go back to your journal or you go back to the scriptures and you say, okay, devil, I hear what you're saying, but this is what God did. In the Old Testament, this is what God did in the new devil. This is what God did for me. And you could just read it over and over and over. And it'll get your head back in the right place. So I think that's number one. Big deal. We need to remember what God has done for us. All the good things. Count your blessings. They're there. We just have to have eyes to see them and appreciate them. So the second thing is, okay, we need to remember the good things, but we're supposed to have a response to the good things. And God gives us the response. Look at verse 14. <clears throat> if you will fear the Lord and serve him, listen to his voice and not rebel against the command of the Lord, then both you and also the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God. Okay, what's our response to God's blessing and his goodness? Number one, we're to fear the Lord. And I don't think that's a, a, a fear, you know, that if I mess up, God's going to send a lightning bolt, boom, I'm going to get fried. It's not that, that kind of fear like, wow, I'm going to get squashed like a bug under his feet if I mess up. No, the fear of the Lord is a holy respect for who he is. He's God, 
and I'm not. It's just respecting that he is the creator and I'm the creation and get that straight so that we don't flip it and think that we call the shots. So the fear of the Lord, it says, if you fear the Lord and serve him, okay, serve means, in other words, do what he asks you to do and listen to his voice. And listen to his voice. Let me say it a third time. And listen carefully to his voice. If you've ever had the pleasure of raising kids, uh, you can find out that sometimes teenagers do not want to listen. Uh, Where you might be asking them to do something, uh, and they don't literally do this, literally, but by the look in their eyes, and they're anxious. They're saying, I don't want to hear what you have to say. I'm sure each of us have been in a situation where we're talking to somebody and our take on it is that they're not really listening to me. I don't know where they're, they're somewhere else out there, uh, but they're not giving me their full attention. And when that happens to me, it's frustrating. I'm trying to communicate a thought to somebody and they're not with me. And it's like, ah, so just get in God's shoes for a little bit. How would you feel if you're God and you're trying to communicate with your creation, which we see he did all through the Old Testament and the new and even now? How would you feel as God if you're trying to, to give people good instructions and trying to bless them, but they're doing this? How would God feel? It must, it must hurt him. Can God get frustrated? I guess I would think he would. If he's a father and we're a kid and we're just basically not listening, it's like, ah. Uh, sometimes, you know, you almost want to take somebody to shake him and say, come on, pay attention to what I'm trying to say. So basically, God says, I want you to fear me, to respect me, serve me, listen to me. And he says, don't rebel against the command of the Lord. Do not rebel. And again, uh, we could see this in a, like a two-year-old. If you've ever seen a two-year-old, you know, do this. No. And you try to correct them. No. I mean, that's that little old uh, fallen nature in us that says, no, I want to do what I want to do. No. <clears throat> and I think. A rebel is basically just putting their fists up to God and said, no, I want to do what I want to do, period. And God said, I don't like that. It's not a good attitude. Do not rebel. Uh, and it says uh, a little bit further on 14, then both you and also the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God. That's what God wants. Just follow me. Listen to me. Do what I ask you to do. And it struck me as I was putting this together, even this morning, uh, it just brought to me Jesus. What did he say when he came to the fishermen? Peter, Andrew, James, John. Very simple, not complex. Follow me. That's it. And God doesn't have to make things overly complex and complicated. It's rather simple. He said, follow me. In other words, follow me. 
go after me and do what I ask you to do. It's not super complicated. You don't have to have a big IQ to do this, but it's a matter of the heart. Will I choose to follow God or will I choose to rebel and say, no, I want to do my own thing. Buzz off. So verse 15. God says there's consequences. You get a bad attitude. Unfortunately, there's going to be consequences. If you will not listen to the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the command of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you. as It was against your fathers. God is clear and he's warning the Israelites, please, 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 please listen and follow. I don't want to have to discipline you. But realize if you sow things that are bad, you're going to reap bad things. And, and you know, God was very clear uh, when we look back in the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 28. Uh, he basically says, if you disobey, God is very clear. He's not muddled or, uh, you know, in a way that's cloudy. He's, he's very clear, very direct. And he says, you know, if you disobey, by the way, um, and I wrote it down. He said, you'll experience the curse. Uh, you will have bewilderment and confusion. There'll be pestilence. There'll be various diseases. There'll be droughts. You'll be defeated by your enemy. Uh, you'll be oppressed. Uh, you'll be destroyed. In other words, God is saying, I'm warning you, please, please. I mean, it, God is doing everything he knows how to do to say, please walk with me. Please follow me. I want to bless you. But if you get stubborn and you get an attitude, and if you rebel, there will be consequences. And there were consequences for the Israelites for 40 years because of their unbelief and because of their disobedience. They wandered in a desert for 40 years. That was not God's best plan. And I believe God has a good plan for us. But if we choose to do our own thing, we can derail that plan and wander in a desert just like the Israelites and lose a good portion of our life because of our stubbornness. The good news is even if I got off the path, I can always choose to repent and ask God's forgiveness and he'll get me back in line and even use in a sense some of the mess I've created and even bring a beautiful thing out of that. God is able to do amazing miracles. So, what's gone after? Look at 20. Samuel said to the people, do not fear. You've committed all this evil. Uh, And they asked for a king. They did a a lot of other stuff that wasn't so swift. You've committed all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord. But serve the Lord with all your heart. Serve the Lord, not with a little bit of your heart, not with most of your heart. What's God after? Serve the Lord, he said right here, with all your heart. And friends, we could do soaps till we're blue in the face. We could do soaps that's in day out, day in, day out. Oh, man, this scene is coming over again and again and again and again and again. I mean, it's like 
God is taking a red flag and waving it across the eyes of Israel and us. And he's saying, I've given you illustrations over and over and over. God is clearly saying to us, everyone on the screen, myself included, and everybody that's not on this soap, obey me. Not partially. I'm asking for complete obedience. I am the creator. You're the creation. Please do what I ask you to do and you'll have a full life. But realize, as we just said, realize if you choose to do your own thing, in a sense, you're shooting your foot off. And he goes on a little bit, serve the Lord with all your heart. And then he says, <clears throat> 22, oh, well, I should go back to 21. You must not turn aside, for then you would go after futile things, which cannot profit or deliver, because they are futile. So he's saying basically here, uh, don't turn aside. Feudal things. Well, what's the feudal things? Primarily what he's talking about there in Israel, it's the foreign gods. The foreign gods that would lead them astray to disobey and then to go down the tubes. And again, I think we've said this over and over again. Uh, <clears throat> we don't have foreign gods of wood or metal. But we have other gods, other things that we put as a priority in our lives over God. So whatever is the ultimate priority in your life and mine, whatever that is, that is your God. That's, in a sense, what we bound down to. Uh, you know, we talked about it the other week. It could be a lot of money. It could be a big house. It could be pleasure, wine, women, song. Uh, it could be earthly applause. Whatever it is. <clears throat> If you want to see this played out uh, in a very clear and dramatic way, read the book of Ecclesiastes. Really, I, I think that's a very powerful book because in it, King Solomon, who was, by the way, the wisest man in the world, but chose, and again, to disobey God, okay, he began to reap the consequences. And he, he goes from one false god to another false god, trying to get money, trying to get fame, trying to get women. And he tries all these things to fill the vacant hole in his heart that came because of his sin. And he tried over and over and over. And you know what his end result was? He says, all things are vanity. All things are futility. There it is. You want to see it played out? Look at the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon went after the wrong things, and it just knocked him for a loop. And again, the same thing for us. If we put anything first before the Lord, it's going to mess us up. It may look appealing on the outside. It may say, hey, if you do this, it's going to be a really happy time. But it's like a fish looking at a worm on a hook, and the worm was good, but if you bite for it, you're going to be hooked. So Solomon's very clear. He ends that little book. You know, that's kind of neat. I just, I, this is not my notes. Let me see if I can find this thing. Uh, so I'm a Solomon. Let me get Ecclesiastes here. This is cool. Ecclesiastes. Okay. Because Solomon really, man, had a hard time in that book. 
but it ends up some of these pages. Where are we at here? Here it is. Here he says, here's the conclusion. Sama wanders, gets lost totally. But here's the conclusion of the book. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, 13. Conclusion. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep his commandments, because this applies to every person. Wow. There you go. The conclusion, when everything's been said, fear God, keep his commandments. And then he says, because this applies to every person. That's to you and to me. But even though Israel messes up, look at as we're beginning to wrap up here, verse 22. For the Lord will not abandon his people on account of his great name, because the Lord has been pleased to make you a people for himself. Even though Israel is so stupid and ignorant and dumb and disobedient, God says, I am not going to abandon you. Sometimes God disciplines Israel. I mean, Israel went and was taken captive and went to Assyria because of their sin, but God did not totally abandon that. Judah went down the tubes and became disobedient, and they were deported over to Babylon, but God did not ultimately abandon them. Because of his great mercy and grace, he brought them back to Jerusalem. So God was faithful, even though they were not faithful. So what's the bottom line in 1 Samuel chapter 12? Burnham line is this. Let's be thankful for all the good things that the Lord's done. So it's not a bad deal. I try to do this, hopefully, and uh, I'm sure I forget at times. But in my daily quiet time, I try to count my blessings. Count my blessings uh, for my wife, for my family. Count my blessings for good friends. Uh, thank the Lord for the blessings uh, that Kathy and I have two amazing churches to go to. Uh, to count my blessings for my health, for a great house to live in, a beautiful community. Uh, just for the, the beauty of creation. So friends, count your blessings. Count your blessings. That's God says that over and over in the scripture. And number two, uh, because of God's tremendous love and goodness, listen to him. Listen to him. But don't just listen to what he says. Obey him. Obey him. Again, not because he has a big stick and he's going to clobber you on the head if you're disobedient. No, obey him because you love him. Obey him because you want to please the person who's been so, so good to you. So the whole lesson of 1 Samuel 12, I believe, is summed up in verse 24. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. Why? For consider what great things he has done for you. Let's pray. <clears throat>
Lord, we want to thank you for 1 Samuel 12. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us not just to be hearers of the word today, just letting it go one ear and, and, and out the other. Lord, we pray. Uh, I pray for each of us on the screen, for myself, Lord. Help us to, to remember how good you've been to us, to recount those times when you came through over and over in our own personal history. Father, I pray that you'd give us a thankful heart and that we'd be so thankful that it wouldn't be a chore to obey you and to listen to you, but that we'd want to because we'd see how good you are, that you only want what's best for us. And because that's your heart motivation, then we just want to listen because you know better than we do what's best for us. So, Lord, I just pray for each of us. Give us listening ears. Uh, to hear when you speak, whether it's in the word, whether it's in our conscience, whether it's uh, coming through another person, whether you're speaking to us through our circumstances. Give us ears to hear, Lord, and give us a heart to obey, to bring you glory, honor, and praise. So, Father, we thank you and we give you the rest of the day. Thanks for leading and guiding us. Uh, may we be a blessing, Lord to the people that see us today. And we ask you, Jesus, and you're strong in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Have a great day, folks. God bless. Enjoy the day.